that was some trippy music. Thought it was going to be done, and then it kind of goes again. Hey, hey, good evening. Um, tell them that I will call them back, whoever it is. Uh, quick update, pastor had a um, eye doctor's appointment this afternoon, and he had just a little injection, and in any case, he kind of thought that he would be down this evening, and such is the case. So he hollered at me, and uh, he was able to kind of foresee when the appointment came. He was like, I don't know if I'll be up for this or not. And so he got home, and he let me know he was home. And he was like, yep, I'm, I'm not up for much of anything. And the doctor told me, stay in. Don't do a lot. Just chill. So he's going to just chill at home tonight. And optimism. Um, you know, the doctor said, hopefully by tomorrow morning you'll be feeling better, and so he's, he's hopeful, so continue to pray for him, he is, uh, he's been battling with his eyes, and uh, you know, part of that is that we're all getting a little older, and that's okay, that's okay, <clears throat> but he could definitely use your prayer, uh, just a few announcements, let's see, if you are interested in attending the next flag workshop, there is a sign-up sheet in Connection Corner. They would like to get an idea of how many people are actually coming. So if you could, slip over there and sign up, okay? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> she came up to me and she was like, I wish I could sign up, but I got this, 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 and this, this going on. I'm like, well, fine. But if you don't have this, 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 and this going on, you can slip over and sign up for the next flag workshop. We will be leaving tomorrow, uh, F6, our sixth grade mission trip. We leave tomorrow and uh, coming back Saturday, late Saturday afternoon. And uh, so we're excited about that. If you think about it, God drops you in our, drops us in your heart. Please pray for us. Sleeping on Sunday school room concrete floors. Now, if you're a sixth grader, that's no big deal. I'm not a sixth grader. So it, it'll, it'll be okay. Um, well, my air mattress, for Father's Day, Jenny got me a new air mattress because the one that I had has a slow leak, and so you wake up and you're on the floor. So it looks really good. I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll be good. Um, we do need adult volunteers for camp. If you're planning to attend camp, you need to sign up in Connection Corner. We have to know who is going to cover what bases, and so please do that. And then uh, for the campers, camp registration is open, but it will close this Sunday, July 2nd. So with that, it's Wednesday evening. You guys know, for those of you who have heard me speak a handful of times on Wednesday evening, this just takes me back to my youth, my teenage years, my early adult years, we had Wednesday evening Bible study. That's just how it was. And so when I'm preparing for Wednesday evening, I don't necessarily have a, like a preacher's mentality as much as I have just let's dive into the Word, let's dissect a little bit of what God has given to us, and let's see if we can glean from it. But along with my memories of Wednesday evening Bible study, um, you know, I was always in a small church. 
so we, we, we just had, you know, 20, 25 people for Wednesday evenings. It wasn't that big. Um, every once in a while, the pastor would be like, hey, just before we get started, we're going to do something fun. And so just before we get started, we're going to do something fun, and I need everybody to get involved in this, okay? Let's see how this goes. So we are going to play a little game, and it's guys against the girls, okay? <laughs> and I don't... Could I borrow your pen just for a moment? I'll give it back when it's time for notes. Okay, you guys are awesome. Because I want to keep score, you know, so we can be fair. So I have pulled off a list of questions. They're Bible questions. And we're going to play it like this. The first correct answer that I hear will get credit. Now, nope, nope, don't raise them. Just spit it out. Because I don't know if I can visual, but I'm hoping to hear whether male or female first. We'll try this. We'll see how it goes. Now, this one's just practice, okay? This was just for practice. So be sure and listen to the whole question, and if you know the answer, spit it out. Not literally. Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. Then they had a third. What was his name? I, I heard Brad first. Now, it was this, this kind of uh, in unison. And so this is how it works. Seth is the correct answer, all right? So the guys would have gotten that point, but that was just a practice run. Now, the other rule is if you answer a question correctly, you are ineligible for the next question. Okay? All right? Are we ready? <laughs> all right. First correct answer that I hear Who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses, I heard right back there, and the gentlemen have a point. Way to go. Whoop, whoop. Moses wrote the book of Genesis, all right? What was the name of Abraham's wife? I heard a female. I think it was Lisa. Lisa, very good. And it's a tie, just like that. Who was the first king of Israel? Saul. Miss Betty got that one. And the women, now you're back in. You had to skip that one, but you're back in now. Now you're out. Okay, just for this one. Okay, I forgot to say you were out. You're back in. <laughs> okay, so it's women, two, men, one. In what country did the Israelites serve as slaves to Pharaoh? Egypt, I heard, Brad. And it's two to two. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> what city is, re is referred to as the city of David? Bethlehem. Doc got that one. And Doc is out for this one. And it's three to two, gentlemen. I only have a handful of them. Okay, so ladies, need this one. Finish this verse. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be... Filled. It was a male voice all the way back there. All right. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> and the men take a commanding four to two lead. Kevin, you're out on this one. Just this one. <clears throat> How many books are in the Bible? 66 right there. All right. So here's the deal, guys. I have one question left. The guys have four. Ladies have three, so ladies need this one, and then we can be a tie, and we can all be winners. 
<laughs> Listen carefully to this question. And just because someone yells out an answer doesn't necessarily mean it's correct. Okay? What is the third book of the New Testament? Luke. I heard it back here. It was Marilyn got it. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> she got it right. Luke, Luke, and it's a tie. Yay, and I get to return the pen. Good job, everybody. I'm impressed. Um, Bible trivia. Oh, yeah. It ranks right up there with me with sports trivia, just real close. But I've said this before. You know, you guys are mainly adults. Teach your children. Teach your grandchildren. Encourage them in the things of the Bible. This was probably two or, or more years ago. After COVID, we definitely took a, took a switch when we were teaching in class. But I was teaching one night, and I said, all right, guys, tonight I'm going to teach you about a famous guy in the Bible. His name is Moses. Who here has heard of Moses? Had 15 kids in class. Two of them raised their hand. The rest of them looked at me as if to say, Moses, what a weird name. And that just blew me away. Like that wasn't necessarily the case for me growing up. Uh, we just cut our teeth on things like that. And I think generations past, just, you know, maybe your generation, more apt to do that. Um, so I don't want to say we're losing it, but if the kid can't find it on their phone, I don't know if they're going to know unless you tell them, Okay. The song we sang tonight, The Blessing, there were so many commands that God gave to Moses and Joshua. Teach your children. Remind them of the great things that I've done. And the truth is, if you don't remind them, who will? I don't think it's going to happen much at school. Okay? So it's up to you. It's not their job. It's your job. Okay? All right. Well, Wednesday evening Bible study. Um, if you have your Bible open to the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at chapter 103. For those of you who were here Sunday, as pastor was getting ready to dismiss, he referenced to this. Very famous portion of scripture. I'd like to read the first five verses. Here David speaking, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. In verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. What a great portion of scripture. Just, just encouraging, just blessing just something that makes you smile and gets you excited, at least I hope. Um, as David began this chapter, he said, bless the Lord. The word bless means to call holy, to praise, to thank, to show or demonstrate full satisfaction. I liked that. When I bless the Lord, it's because I am fully satisfied in him. And if I am called by the name of Jesus, he is fully satisfied with me. 
So David said, bless the Lord, but who did he then reference? Well, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. I hope that you know from being under Pastor Ron for whatever time you've been coming here. Pastor references definition to our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And so David was saying, O soul, O you mind, O you will, O O the emotions that are within me, I want you to bless the Lord. And then the end of the verse he says, and all that is within me. And this is words, actions, reactions, and your thoughts. So bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Before we were coming to church here full time, we were attending a, a little church in Willisville, and many of you know uh, I was principal of a Christian school that was there in Willisville. And I had had one of those weeks where um, I'm home from school, you know, and it's like 6 o'clock of an evening, and my phone would ring, and it's a parent. And, you know, they, it'd be just not, not a good phone call. And um, one in particular on Friday called me and started cussing at me on the phone. And I was like, this is, this is a lot of fun. And it, it really wasn't. Um, so I'd had one of those weeks where I'm kind of like, God, why am I even doing what I'm doing? I, you know, trying to, trying to do what you've called me to do. And, you know, you kind of get on a pity party. <laughs> at least I did. And I wasn't very encouraged, and I thought I could be pumping gas, making more money, and walk a clock out and not worry about this. And anyway, Sunday rolled around, and a terrible windstorm came through Willisville and knocked out the power. And so we soon learned that our church was out of power, and we weren't going to have church that day. And so I looked at Jenny, and she's like, well, it's Sunday. We're going to church. And so we came here. <clears throat> and pastor that day was in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and he was talking about David when, when David's men turned on him. And David had nobody. And in verse 6 of chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. And pastor that day brought the word that I felt like was just for me and nobody else. Because there will be times when you feel like no one is standing with you, that no one has your back, that you are all alone, that you're like Elijah. Remember Elijah went and hid, and he's like, God, it's only me. I'm the only prophet left. And God leaned in and said, there are still 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You're not alone. Get up, eat, get back to work. Okay? Don't get on this pity party. I love you. I'm here. I'm going to strengthen you to get through this. And as pastor preached that day, I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And I left super challenged. And, you know, as we're referencing Psalm 103, there are times that you have to talk to your own soul. I don't know what that looks like at your house. I don't know if you're a talk to yourself kind of person out loud. Um, it might be one of those that you just have to verbally say, I'm going to bless the Lord regardless of how I feel. Soul, you have no choice in the matter today. I'm not asking for your vote or your opinion. Today, we are going to bless the Lord. Oh, but I don't feel like it. Yes, but I didn't ask how you feel. Yeah, but I'm just so dejected and no one loves me. I'm, I'm not asking for a business meeting. Vote. 
You're going to bless the Lord. Everything that is within me. David realized that if given the opportunity and freedom, his very being would lead him astray. And he would complain and gripe and grumble. We're singing a new song here. It's been out for about a year. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great song. And uh, we, are, we are in the midst of, of sharing it and worshiping together with it now. Ashley leads us in a song called Gratitude. And the bridge of that song says, come on my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Now is not the time to take a back seat, soul. I want you to realize that you have a lion You have Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, living inside of you. And so you can get excited, and you can do this, and you can face whatever phone calls come in your way. You can face whatever knock at the door comes. You can face whatever bill shows up. He is with you. He is encouraging you. And so don't let this be a time where your soul gets shy on you. This is not the time. We are going to go forward, chin up, into the battle, knowing that the battle belongs to him. I have, um, I have an older brother. Many of you probably don't know that about me, and that's okay. Um, we grew up in the same house, the same parents, went to the same school, attended the same church, did a lot of things together. Um, but he and I are very different and I love him dearly, that's not a question. And he loves me. But I've watched over the years him listen to his soul instead of leading his soul. Instead of him saying, I'm going to bless the Lord's soul, you better follow along because this is how it's going to be. He's been led by his emotions. He's been led by his own will. He's been led by his own mind. And in so doing, Galatians 6, 7 is true, and I don't need your vote on it, okay? It says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I'm not here speaking about works tonight, but there's this law of seed time and harvest that whatever you plant, it's going to come back. And so why not plant yourself in the book? (laughs) Because it's the only thing that will not return void. Why not plant yourself in the midst of worship? Why not plant yourself to be a giver? Why not plant yourself to be uh, someone who blesses and shows kindness and smiles? I don't know if I've been around my brother in the past 30 years where he's not negative. And it's the government, and it's the economy, and it's this body, and it's always someone else's fault. And I just want to be like, you're just letting your mind, will, and emotions take control. And you need to realize that if you would plant yourself and plant goodness and plant the things that God wants you to plant, that that, those are those things you're going to get back. And it's, you know what, this is a side note, not in my notes, but it's interesting that the giving that that Jesus refers to, you know, give and it shall be given unto you. 
and, and the, the, the concept of giving. There are times that I give my tithe, but I'm not looking for money back. I need peace in the midst of the storm, okay? I don't care if he drops a million dollars in my lap. What I'm looking for is some peace and some comfort and for my mind to turn off. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a couple kind words here or there. That would be fine. And that's just, he knows exactly what I need because he made me. And so it's not, I give my tithe and I'm looking for, you know, this, I'm, that, that's part of it. But he knows that there are times I need something more. And he's on top of that. Come on, my soul, don't you get shy on me. Verse 2, <clears throat> David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Proverbs 3, 3 says, Let not mercy and truth, which are blessings from the Lord, forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. Psalm 78, verses 5 through 7 says, For he, God, established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the law, the word, even the children that should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. <clears throat> Verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commands. I read that this week, and that just blessed me. I had to read it like four or five times. I just loved it. The promises. Guys, we have three main enemies. The enemy is something that comes against you, that desires to see you fail, that attacks you. And they are Satan, and that we know. If you're born again and bought by the blood of Jesus, you have a bullseye on you, and Satan hates you. Now, he doesn't love you if you're not saved. He hates you just as much, but he doesn't worry about you as much because you're not causing any issue. You just live in your life for you, and that's what he wants anyway. But Satan is enemy number one. Enemy number two is the world. Oh, my gosh. Before we, I came tonight, I <clears throat> had the TV on, flipping through. They had, they had some Super Bowl classics playing, and I watched a little bit of that. But it doesn't take long. A commercial comes up, and it starts depressing the snot out of me. And I feel bombarded. I feel attacked, I feel tempted, I feel just so heavy with just the stuff that's even on commercials, let alone that's in shows. But yet the TV's just on, and I feel like I'm an empty vessel, and the world comes in with his garbage can and just dumps it right in my head, and says, I'll be back tomorrow. And I just let it filter in, and I wonder why I'm depressed. Satan the world, and number three is our own flesh. If you don't take it captive and take control, it will lead you astray. My body tells me, stay in bed, don't get up. My, my mouth says, oh, someone says something to you? Give a great reaction. Something super sarcastic would be great. Or just tell them what you're thinking. Tell them how you feel. No, but that's what my flesh says. And so it's very important that I know what the Word says so I can battle my three enemies because they're prevalent and they're always active and they don't ever take a day off. Never. Never. 
Never. So recognize that you have three enemies, and these enemies want nothing more than for you to badmouth your creator and your savior. I read this. I wanted to share this with you guys. This was written one day prior to the death of the people who were aboard the submarine that went down to see the Titanic. So this was written one day before. I didn't write this. Five men, 13,000 feet under the surface of the ocean. They have billions in assets. They can move mountains with their money and their influence. Five countries have mobilized in their rescue, and it doesn't look good. But here's the truth. They cannot save themselves. Every one of them in this moment would give it all up to switch places with anyone on this planet. Every one of them would do literally anything to see their families again, to pet their dog again, to pay their bills or clean their house. I guarantee you that they've prayed to God. They wish they would have said some things to people that they never did say. And they wish they had never said some of the things that they did. They know that tomorrow they will die. Next time you get bent out of shape, about how much money you don't have. Next time you get mad about your house not being clean or the dog poop you just stepped in. The next time you get mad because you just got in a fight with your husband or wife and you said something you shouldn't. Next time your son or your daughter wants to play and you're too busy or you're too tired or it's just not your thing. Next time your mom or dad calls you and you think about ignoring them. Think about the men on the submarine. Over the past 80 hours, they've thought about all this, and they can think of a million things they would have done differently. And your life is worth more to them than all of their wealth combined. So take a moment, pray about that, and be thankful. The writer says, sometimes I forget that, but today it's fresh in my mind. And in my heart. Because we are all too quick and too prone to complain and to gripe and grumble about the little things. And David, in the midst of all that he was dealing with, said, I'm going to bless my God. Verse 3. David said, who forgives all of your iniquities? Who heals all of your diseases? Verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction? So I want to look at these three things, these three statements that David just made. First of all, he says, who forgives all your iniquities or all your sins? There's a condition on God's forgiveness. Okay? <gasps> What? There's a condition on God's forgiveness. And it's this. You need to ask. Now there's a time, I hope that each one of you have made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, realizing you can't save yourself. 
And in that process, you've acknowledged the fact that your sin separates you from his holiness. But he has a plan for that. He sent Jesus. And Jesus paid that price. And so his blood takes care of your sin. And if you say, God, as a sinner, I can't do it without you. And I accept your free gift of salvation. And he says, absolutely. Absolutely. And you become his child and he cleanses you, the Bible says, of your unrighteousness. But those who don't ask, are they forgiven? Unfortunately, their sin and lack of belief in Jesus sadly will send them to hell. Oh, I know that's not a pretty picture and we all like to talk that we're all going to heaven, but the Bible says that the road is narrow that leads to heaven and it is wide that leads to destruction. I'm not even that great at math, but that tells me more are going to hell than are going to heaven. Don't be on the road to destruction. There's another way. And Jesus has provided that. But many who travel this path never ask for the forgiveness of the Father. So he forgives all your iniquities if you ask. If you make him savior, he heals all your diseases. If you seek him, you will find him as your healer. My, uh, my youth brought me a lot of physical problems. I was sick a lot. Winter time was hard. And when I was six, and it was cold outside, I began coughing, and my dad said, go in and get a drink. And it didn't help. I began to cough more violently, and I could feel something happening through here every time I coughed. It felt like the fingers were just pinching this closed. And I kept coughing to the point that when it, it came to when my dad came in and mom came in and dad picked me up. He was like, Johnny, okay? I had just enough in me that I whispered in his ear, I can't breathe. So my mom flies into mom mode super quick. And mom begins, it was late at night, it was like 9.30, I say late, late for us. She began getting dressed and getting ready. They were going to take me to ER and dad looked at her and said, because the closest ER was Sparta. We lived in Willisville. So even if you're speeding, it's going to take you about 15 minutes to get there. And he looked at mom and he said, he doesn't have 15 minutes. And that was probably the only time in my life where I really felt like that I was going to die. So, dad did what dad did. And dad began to call on the healer. He laid his hands on me, and he just began to pray. 
And I heard him pray. I heard him plead the blood of Jesus over my oxygen, over my lungs, over my windpipe. And in the midst of praying and saying, God, I thank you that Psalm 103 says you heal. You heal. That's what you do. Things begin to change. And I begin to feel things widening and oxygen never tasted so good. I learned from that moment on, I'm not God. I can't say why this happens and this happens and this doesn't and this doesn't. But I know that I experienced the hand of the healer that night. And I never, never forgot it. Never forgot it. The Bible says he heals all of your diseases. And I seek the healer. I seek him on your behalf. I seek him on behalf of my family and people that I know. The Bible says, who redeems your life from destruction, if only you will knock at his door. See, we see the asking and the seeking and the knocking, and Jesus talks about it later in Matthew. You need to know him as Savior, and you can if you ask. And you need to know him as healer, and you can if you seek him. You need to know that he's your redeemer, and you can if you knock. Because he's there, and he's ready, and he loves you. And you are the apple of his eye. And if it was only you here, he would have still left heaven and laid aside his glory and laid aside his righteousness and his perfection and he would have come and given it all, every drop of his blood, just for you. That's how much he loves you. Daddy God places over your mind his loving kindness. We read about this, the last part of verse 4, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. His loving kindness is his grace along with his mercy, which is so tender. There's a difference between mercy and grace. There are two words that we hear a lot in church. And sometimes we use them interchangeably, but they have different definitions. Let me give them to you. Grace is God giving me what I don't deserve. Unmerited favor. I don't deserve that. God's a gracious God and he gave it to me anyway. And you don't deserve this, but God's a gracious God and he gave it to you anyway. And that's what grace is. Gifts that I don't deserve. Mercy is him not giving me what I do deserve. You see the difference? I deserve justice because of my sin. If you break the law, don't be surprised if there are consequences. I was only going 77 in a 55. Why did you pull me over? There are consequences that come. Mercy would say, you deserve a $125 ticket. You deserve me for me to take your license. You deserve to show up in court. And you deserve to ask for court supervision if you so desire because that's what you get for breaking the law. But mercy says, I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to give you that ticket. I'm not going to do it. 
Give it to Jesus. Let him pay it. I'm thankful for his grace, but I'm thankful for his mercy just as much. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. David likened God's blessings to tasty, healthy food. There's a story in the Old Testament, and we go back to like this, get in the Word and read the Bible and be a student of the Word, and you guys were just impressive tonight. First king of Israel was Saul. Saul had a son named Jonathan. They were in the midst of a battle, and the men were weak, and the Bible says that Jonathan found some honey. And in the midst of the battle, he put his rod into the honey and ate it. And the Bible says he was refreshed and strengthened and enlightened. And isn't this the great picture that God gives us when he says, I satisfy your mouth with good things. I have good things in store for you. Jonathan tasted and he was like, this is the best thing ever. And when the word of God gets in you, I don't care what you're going through, the word of God is so sweet and so tasty and so refreshing and so strengthening that you realize that God is a God who satisfies you with good things. <laughs> Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. We take in the word. We enjoy the strength and the ability to do just what God has called us to do. And then verse 5. the end of verse 5, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. God wants you to soar above the gossip, the negativity, the naysayers, the critics, your financial woes, your illnesses, the discouragement you experience, the fear that you battle. God wants you to rise above all that and not get pulled down, and not get drugged uh, into that, into the muck and the mire. Last week in Fusion, we were talking about people in the Bible that pressed through, because that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to keep on keeping on. When you've done all you can do, he wants you to stand. And we talked about three different people in the Bible that had a press-through mentality. First one we talked about was Zacchaeus. Even though he had an obstacle to overcome, he was small. And there was a great group, the Bible said, he couldn't get to Jesus because of the press, because of the crowd, because of the gathering. And he could have said, well, that's it then. I mean, I came, tried to see Jesus, couldn't do it, out. He didn't. He's like, I'm determined and I'm not going to be stopped. That's a good-sized tree. I think if I jump up in that tree, I should be able to accomplish my goal of seeing Jesus. He pressed through. What about the woman with the issue of blood? Twelve years. Spent everything, no better. In fact, the Bible says grew worse. And she said, if I can just get to him and touch his garment, I'll be made whole. And she risked everything because she was a lawbreaker by being out in the midst of her condition with people and disturbing a prophet in the midst of moving from point A to point B. This was punishable. And she risked all because she knew 
She needed to get to the healer. What about Miss Betty? This fellow that sits at the gate and he begs for alms. Alms for the blind, blind Bartimaeus. And when he knew that Jesus was coming, he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that they all tried to shut him up. Everybody that walked past was like, dude, shut up. So loud. <clears throat> Very annoying. He cried out even the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and came to him and said, what do you want? And he said, I would like to see, heal me of my blindness, and Jesus did. They could have all given up, and what would have happened? Well, Jesus wouldn't have come to Zacchaeus' house, and the woman with the issue of blood would have continued to suffer, and blind Bartimaeus never would have seen the beauty of a sunset, but they all pressed through. Thomas Edison, the inventor of the light bulb, History tells us that he had a couple hiccups in his invention process. Whether the bulbs would blow up or they wouldn't come on. One, two, three. No working light bulb. Week, month, months, years. No bulb. We know that success came because we're sitting here enjoying these lovely light bulbs. But in the midst of it, <clears throat> someone asked Thomas Edison about his failures. and He's famous for making this quote. He said, I have not failed thousands of times. I have not failed even once. I have succeeded in proving that those thousands of ways will not work. It's all in perspective. If you listen to your soul, it may try to convince you that God isn't a good God, but he is. And so your response should say, soul, I'm going to bless the Lord. And all that is within me, I'm going to bless his holy name. God, we thank you for your word. How awesome it is. It's sweet. It tastes good. We're thankful that you love us. You created us for a purpose. Help us to realize that the attacks from Satan and the world and the flesh are prominent and evident. But God, you're the Savior. You're the healer. You're the Redeemer. And here in these five verses of Psalms, you want us to look to you for strength and to bless you because the enemies hate it when we bless and praise and worship God. But that's what we're going to choose to do. We thank you for your word and the power of it. I speak life and blessings and health and healing over everyone that can hear my voice tonight. May they hear your voice and have the wisdom to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. It was a fun time. You have one minute before kids will arrive. You are dismissed.